section that's titled, One in Christ. Let's open to God's Word. It's also there on PowerPoint. Uh, Let me read uh, the Word of God, and we pray that God will bless its reading and its preaching this morning. Ephesians 2, 11 to 22. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you who are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. May God add his blessings on the preaching of his word. Thanks. Well, friends, it's a joy and a pleasure and an honour, in fact, to share God's word with you this morning. Uh, Let's pray again. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It is the word of God. It is the word that gives life. And so we pray, Heavenly Father, that you might help us see that. We pray, Lord, that as we look at this passage, you might help us to reflect on our own lives and where we stand with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I wonder how easy it is to forget how good we have it. I'll say that again. I wonder how easy it is to forget how good we have it. And when we do forget how good we have it, what what tends to happen? Well, what tends to happen is I'll stop being as thankful as I should. I stop being as content as I should. I stop appreciating the things I have, the life I have. So often what I would do is I find it helpful to reflect to reflect on how wonderful it is to live in this country, to live in Australia. To be an Australian citizen, it's a wonderful thing. It's a privilege, it's an honour. You see, as an Australian citizen, we have the protection of the Australian government when we go overseas. We get to enjoy in this nation freedom 
We've got good schooling, great health care. We've got a fair justice system. We've got high taxes. That might not be a good thing, but, but we've got a stable government. In fact, that's why so many people want to migrate to this country and to become a citizen here. In fact, one way you can come to Australia and become a citizen is to have $5 million in your bank account. And if you're willing to invest in this country, you can. You can become a citizen in the future. Well, that's one way. Anyway, I find it helpful to reflect on how good it is to be here in Australia. And I do that by remembering where I came from. I know how good I have it by remembering where I came from. Now, some of you may have heard me share this story before. And some of you will know that my parents came to Australia as refugees. They were boat people from Vietnam. Now, they left Vietnam in 1979 on an overcrowded boat. There were hundreds of people on that boat. At that stage, my mum was actually already pregnant with me, so she went as a pregnant woman on this overcrowded boat. They were at sea for several, several weeks they ended up in uh, Malaysia, there were pirates and so forth, but in the end they ended up in Indonesia on a refugee island and after several months there, I was born. Now some of you will know that we've just moved into our home and so we've, we've found our old, old photos and albums and I found one just uh, last night. That's a photo of the little hut we were living in. We stayed in Indonesia for over, over a year. There wasn't much there at all. And so for me to think about how good it is now to be in Australia, I reflect on what life would have been like back then. There was the little hut there. There are some Chinese words up the top. My dad wrote that. The Chinese words there says, uh, Jesus is the Lord of my family. And so my dad, a Christian man, uh, he wrote that and he showed everyone that we are Christians. And so thinking about that helps me to see how good it is now. My mum would tell me stories of life back in Indonesia. Uh, they, would, they would go hungry. There wouldn't be much to eat. All they would get to eat was fish because that's what you can catch. And so they got sick of fish. It was a hard life there on the islands. And so we stayed there for a bit over a year and eventually we came to Melbourne, Australia. And that's where we have called home since then in 1980. And so reflecting on life back then, well, I don't really remember much at all, but reflecting on what my parents have told me helps me to be content and thankful now. Content and thankful with all that I have now and all that I am now. You see, life would have been so different if my parents did not flee communist Vietnam. Life would have been so different if the Australian government back then did not open up their borders and let people in. And so it helps me to not take things for granted now so that I won't be saying, I deserve this, this is my right, I've earned it. Now, of course, this morning, many of you probably can't relate to anything of that, any of that, but I'm sure you have your own stories. But there is an experience that all of us who are Christians can relate to, and it is this. I wonder how easy it is to forget how good it is to be a Christian. I wonder how easy it is to forget how good it is to be a Christian. See, I wonder how many of us reflect often enough where we've come from in terms of God and where God has brought us. Because if we don't do this enough, if we don't reflect on this enough, 
We'll start taking God's grace for granted. We'll start grumbling and being discontent and thankless with the life God has granted us. And of course we don't want this. And so in our passage today, that's what Paul tells us. That's what Paul reminds us in this passage in Ephesians. He says three things, really. He says, remember who you were. Secondly, remember what Christ has done for you. And thirdly, remember who you've become. And if you do remember these things, you'll be grateful. You won't take God's grace for granted now. And so firstly, let's think about this. Let's look at your passage. Please have it open to Ephesians chapter 2. Firstly, remember who you were. Now this was particularly helpful to the church Paul was writing to, to the Gentile Christians there in Ephesus because they were presuming on the grace of God. And so Paul reminds them here that at one time they were strangers, they were foreigners, they were aliens, they were far away from God. These Gentiles, they were considered by the Jewish people as unclean. Jewish people did not want to associate with Gentiles for that would be unclean and that would contaminate them. And so Paul is writing to the Gentile Christians, remember who you were. Look at verse 11. Therefore remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and caught uncircumcised by those who called themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by hands of men. Now as far as I know, looking around this uh, church building, this gathering here, I suspect most of us, the vast majority of us here are Gentiles. There might be some of us here with Jewish blood in you, but the vast majority of us here are Gentiles. And so when Paul writes this to the Gentile Christians in Ephesus, in the same way he's writing to us, he's telling us, you, Gentiles, you do not belong to God. You are foreigners, you are far away. And so look at what Paul goes on to say, verse 12. Remember that at, at that time you were separate from Christ. You see, Paul is telling us, Gentiles, you do not belong to Christ. You're, you're filthy in your sin. You're in fact dead in your sin. You have no place with the Son of God. And then Paul goes on, verse 12. You're excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You see, by the fact that you are not Jewish by birth or by blood, you don't belong. You don't belong to God. You see, those wonderful promises God made to Abraham and the forefathers, those blessings, they were not for you. You're excluded. You're on the outside. Remember that. That's who you were. Remember that. You're a stranger to God. And there's more. Verse 12, look on. You're without hope and without God in the world. Now imagine life without God. A life without God is a life without hope. Now our world likes to tell us that if there's no God, then, then that's a great life. You have a free life, you get to do what you want. But you see, that's not the case at all. Without God, there is no hope. Just think about it. If there is no God, then there's really no real sense of meaning and purpose in life. You see, without God, we, we make up our meaning, we make out our purpose and, and that's what it is, exactly that, we make it up. You see, without God, there will be never any real sense of justice. Justice will never be done. Without God, there will never be any real sense of peace. Without God, there will never be lasting joy. All that we humans long for without God, 
that will all be gone. Without God, life is hopeless. Now, many of you, I'm sure, would have been to funerals. Last, uh, two, two months ago, in fact, I, I attended a funeral and it was an extremely sad occasion. Extremely sad. It was a funeral of a young girl. She was only 27 years old. She died in an avalanche, uh, snowboarding, and so in the prime of her life. And at that funeral, there was a deep sense of hopelessness that all was lost. Now, I didn't say this, but I knew that family. I knew that girl. They weren't Christians. And so that sense of hopelessness was real. Without God, it is hopeless. And so Paul is here reminding the Ephesians, reminding us, you were strangers. That's who you were. You were foreigners. You were without God and without hope. And so remember who you were. But now he he does the most profound things. He tells us the most profound things. That the, the greatest change has happened. The greatest transformation has happened. Because now remember what Christ has done. Look at verse 13. This is a short summary of the Gospel. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near. You who are far, you who are strangers and foreigners and aliens to God, you've been brought near, brought close to God, brought into the very presence of God. And how did that happen? By paying your $5 million to get your citizenship? By trying to bribe God by your half-decent life? By trying to twist God's arm by your good efforts? How? How can anyone be brought into the presence of God? Well, look at verse 13. Through the blood of Christ, through the blood of Christ, the Son of God had to die. Remember that. The Son of God had to die to bring you to God. So remember that. Now, Paul's not finished here. Paul now goes on to not just remind the Gentile Christians, he now reminds the Jewish Christians that that you Jewish Christians don't think you're any better than the Gentiles. Don't think you're any more superior than they are. You see, there's this war between you and the Gentiles. Well, that's now gone. This dividing war of hostility, that is gone now. The war that separated you from the world, that is taken care of. The laws and the commandments, that's all gone. You see, Jesus, what he's come to do is he's come to bring peace between people and people. Back then, Jews and Gentiles, now every nation, every tongue. He's come to bring peace between all people, to bring about a unity. Have a look at verses 14 and 15. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh, in his death, the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. When the temple was still standing in Jerusalem, there was literally a war in the temple that separated the Gentiles from the Jewish people. It was a a, a war that separated Gentiles. They were allowed in the outer courts and they were not allowed in the inner courts, uh, which was reserved for the Jewish people. And, And on this stone, on this wall there was this inscription that read this, No one of another nation is to enter within the fence and enclosure around the temple, and whoever is caught will have himself to blame. 
that his death ensues. You see, Jesus did away with this war, physically and spiritually. The war that divided the Jews and Gentiles, that is done with, that is gone. The laws and commandments, that has been done with because that has been fulfilled in Jesus. You see, with the coming of Jesus, there's no more need for a physical temple in Jerusalem. He's become the temple of God. He's the place you go to meet with God. And with the coming of Jesus, there's no more need for priests anymore because he's the great high priest. He's the one who brings us to God. And with the coming of Jesus, there's no more need for sacrifices, animal sacrifices, because he's become the great and last and sufficient sacrifice. And so the laws and the commandments have been fulfilled. And so whatever barrier, whatever war that was before, between the Jews and Gentiles, that is done away with. But you see, Jesus did not only bring peace between people and people, but he came to bring peace between people and God. Now, we must recognise how marvellous, how glorious this is, that we can have peace with God. You see, what we're actually seeing here in this passage is the reversal of what happened at the Tower of Babel in our first reading. You see, what happened there? People wanted to unite, to make a name for themselves, but God judged them, punished them, scattered them, confused their language, and so the world was, uh, was in disunity, was separated, was alienated from God. But now in the, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in what Jesus has come, he has reversed that. The disunity that was in the world has been brought back together. Now there is now a unity between people and people. Not a unity where they are making a name for themselves, but a unity in which they are seeking to make the name of Christ known. And they are brought together, reconciled to God. And so Jesus has come to bring peace between people and people, but more than that, peace between people and God. And we see this in verse 16. Have a look. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. See, because of the cross of Christ, because of what Jesus has done, there is now peace between people and people. And so just look around us. There is peace between us, though we are so different. And there is now peace between us and God. All of us are like have been brought to God by Jesus. And so how does anyone come to know this, this marvellous gospel, this wonderful good news? How does anyone come to know what Jesus has come to do? How does anyone come to know what God actually offers? Well, it's actually not through some mystical experience. It's not through our human reasoning power that we can reason this, this out but it is through the preaching of the gospel of peace. It is through the preaching of the word of God that people come to hear and to know and to believe. You see, when we proclaim the good news of Jesus, we are proclaiming peace to this world, peace between you and God. And so we see this, verse 17 and 18. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Now if you think about this, this is the greatest transformation that can ever happen to anyone. You who were aliens and foreigners and strangers to God, now you've been brought to God. Brought and you now enjoy peace with God. And so Paul says, remember, remember who you were. You did not deserve this. Don't take it for granted. Remember what Christ has done for you to make it possible to bring you to God. 
And now finally he, remem- he reminds them now, remember who you've become. If Jesus has done all that for you, if he went to the cross for you, if he bled for you, if he died for you, then don't ever think that God doesn't love you. Don't ever think that God will forsake you. Don't ever think that you're worthless and insignificant. Christ died for you. You're not worthless. And so now you're no longer a stranger to God, no longer a foreigner, no longer a refugee finding a home. You're no longer far away. But what you've become now is one of the most honoured and privileged status, position of all. And that is, you've got the citizenship of heaven, far greater than the citizenship of this nation, far greater than any five million dollars can buy, because now you belong to the household of God. Have a look in verse 19 and 20. He tells us, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, what they proclaimed, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And so what Paul is doing here is he's developing this image, this metaphor of us being the household of God, members of this household, this building, this house of God. We're all connected in this house, we're all connected to Christ. And the wonderful thing of this is that God chooses to dwell in us. And you think about that, that is radical. Remember who you once were. You were aliens and foreigners and separate from God. But now God who is in heaven will choose to dwell in Christians by his spirit. I mean the heavens cannot contain the glory of God but he chooses to dwell in Christians by his spirit. I mean that's radical and profound. And we see this in our final verses. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I mean, if you think about that, there is no greater transformation that can ever happen. God now looks at you. He looks at us differently. He looks at us profoundly differently. No longer foreigner, no longer stranger, but his very own. And he chooses to dwell in us by his spirit. And so the reminder is don't take God for granted. Don't take his grace for granted. Remember who you were. Remember what Christ has done. And remember who you've become because of that. And so today I want us all to do just that. Let's spend some time reflecting a little. Now I don't know what this past week was like for you. And I don't know what this patch in your life is like. It might be a a depressing time in your life. It might be a a time of your life filled with worries and stress and suffering and pain. It might be a patch in your life where you're just frustrated and annoyed. Or you might just be finding life bland and boring and mundane and uneventful. Now, I don't presume to know what's going on in your life, but let's reflect on this truth today. Let's reflect on this at the moment. If you are a Christian, then the greatest change that can ever happen, the greatest transformation that can ever happen in all eternity has already happened in you. The best thing that can ever happen to anyone 
has already happened to you if you are a Christian. Reflect on that. You see, we were once strangers to God. We were once alienated from him. We had no part in the promises of God, the promises of unconditional love, the promises of eternal life, the promises of resurrection life. But now, we are loved by him. We are cared by him. We belong to him. We are part of his household. And this is the only household that will last and will preserve all the way into eternity. And just like how it was for me to reflect on my past and what my parents had to do so that I might be content and thankful now. We need to do that all the more as Christians, don't we? We need to do that all the more to reflect on where we were, who we were, what Christ has done and who we are now. And so for us as Christians, if we think about that and reflect on that, we should be so content So thankful, our hearts should be filled with thankfulness for God for what he has done. Just remember who you were and who you are now. Now do you see how wonderful this is in giving us a a fresh, a good, a proper, godly perspective in life? You see, whatever comes my way, and I need to remind myself this, whatever comes my way in life, the best thing that can ever happen to any person has already happened to me. I belong to God. I belong to his household. Now, of course, this morning, not all of us can honestly reflect in such a way. And that's because not all of us here are Christians yet. Not all of us here have come to know and to understand and to believe what Jesus came to do. And so, as politely as possible as sensitively as possible, what this Bible, what this word of God is telling us is you are still strangers to God. You are still foreigners. You are still an alien to God. You still don't belong in the household of God if you are not yet a Christian. I mean, that that doesn't sound nice. We love for you to be here and we want you to continue to come so that you might learn and know of the Lord we love the Lord who died for you, the Lord who bled for you. We want you to come along to know of Jesus Christ and to trust in him. But if you have yet to believe in him, Paul would say you're still a stranger to God. You're still an alien. You're still a foreigner. And so we want you to reflect on that. I would like you this morning to reflect on that. Reflect on not who you were because you are still there, but reflect on who Christ can make you who Christ can turn you into. Reflect on what Christ can do in you. You see, when you trust in Jesus, when you come to know him and to love him and to see him as your Lord and Saviour, he brings you into the presence of God. He gives you peace with God and you get a citizenship that is of heaven and you have a home with God. And now finally, it's also worth us reflecting on what we heard today as a congregation. Not just personally, but as a church. You see, if we are the household of God, if we are people who belong to him, if we have been reconciled to him, if we have been united by Christ and in Christ and under Christ, then I wonder if that unity that Christ brought about is reflected in our church. Do we see that unity that Christ brought about? Peace between people and people. Peace between people and God. Do we see that as we look at each other, as we come together each week? 
Is this unity reflected in the way we care for one another? Is this unity that Christ brought about, is it reflected in the way we love one another? Is this unity reflected in the way we share our homes and share our lives with one another? I mean, is there a sense of unity in our church between all of us? If there is no sense of unity, then there's something wrong, isn't there? If I just see this community as just a Sunday gathering, just like a social club, then there's something wrong with that. If I don't give my energy and my effort and my life to building up this community, this household of God, then there's something wrong with that. If I'm not willing to put up my hand to serve and to say, yes, I will want to help, I want to build up the kingdom of God, I want to build up this community, even if it costs me, even if it inconveniences me, then there's something wrong. You see, we are a body, a building, a household that belongs to God. This is the only household that will last into all eternity. You know, this beautiful church building, as wonderful as it is, this building is passing away. Our jobs, our careers, that too is passing away. Our cars, our homes, that too is passing away. But this community, this household of God will continue on into all eternity. And so are we reflecting the unity that Christ has brought about? And so how do you think our church is going in this way? How are we as the household of God going at being at peace with one another? sharing in this unity that Christ brought about. Well, many of you would know, Yvonne and myself, we've been at this church for a bit over three years, into our fourth year now. We love many things about this church. There are a lot of things we do love about this church. But as I was thinking about this, we do see one of the wonderful blessings of God here, don't we? Just think about the diversity amongst us, but yet the unity we share. Let's think about the diversity. Chris has done this in the past. We've got people from so many different nationalities and countries and speak different languages. I try to do a quick count, but I think there were over 20, right? We've got Dutch, German, Scottish, English, Tasmanians. No, they're Australians, right? <laughs> what do I have? People from Vietnam, Korea, Indonesia, China, Malaysia, Persia, a lot more. Right? And the wonderful diversity that God has blessed us with is such a blessing. And that's one of the reasons, one big reasons, we decided to go to a non-ethnic church. We wanted to enjoy the diversity of God's people. And, and it's so wonderful. We got to try Persian food and, and Malaysian food and Indonesian food. We got to try all sorts of food. But yet we are united by the same thing. We're united in the Gospel of Christ. We are united in Christ. One in Christ, under Christ, around Christ, we live for Christ. And what a great joy that is. So I think in God's goodness and kindness, something is going right here. There is diversity, but we are united by the same thing. But we must reflect as a church, is there more we can do to better reflect the unity that Christ has brought about? Is there more we can do? I'm sure there is. And so this morning I began with a question. I wonder how easy it is to forget how good it is, not just as an Australian, but as Christians. How easy it is to forget how good we have it. We've got the best thing ever already. It's happened to us and for us. 
And so let us never forget who we were. We were strangers, foreigners to God. Let us never forget what Christ has done for us and in us. And let us never forget who we are now. We are people who belong to the household of God. We'll be with each other for all eternity. What a joy that is. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that in your great mercy you sent your son Jesus who brought peace not just between people but peace with you. And we thank you that in your kindness this is what we now have. And so help us to never take your grace for granted. Help us to have hearts filled with thankfulness as we remember who we were, dead in sin, made alive in Christ and now belonging to you. And we pray, Heavenly Father, for those who have yet made that decision to come to Christ. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you might work in their hearts, help them to see what they're missing out on. And we pray that that might happen this morning. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.